Hello and welcome to Sagebrush Wisdom. Today I will be talking with my friend Ty Adnani about both fly fishing and bass fishing. It is often rare to find somebody who fly fishes and also uses conventional gear, especially like that of a baitcaster. Fly fishing and bass fishing are often very different in ideologies, practices, places, and even opportunities. But Ty seeks out both. Whether it's floating on his kayak and seeking out spotted bay bass in our local Newport Harbor, or trudging through the snow up in Mammoth after those lovely winter rainbows. I believe that Ty seeks to be the best fisherman he can be because he loves fishing and he loves the enjoyment of figuring out fish. And that's what we're talking about today, the love of fishing. Well, welcome to Sagebrush Wisdom. I'm here today with my good friend, Ty. We're going to be talking about the differences between fly fishing and bass fishing. And he is a unique individual because he does both. If you recognize his voice, he was actually on the first podcast I ever recorded, which was with Luke Kinney after he just went fly fishing with him up in the Eastern Sierras. This is now almost exactly a year later, and here we are. So welcome to the podcast again, Ty. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, can, like I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uniqueness of both bass fishing and fly fishing. And we live in a world where most of the time those two don't collide very often. Can you tell me a little bit about your vision of fishing and how you work those into fishing together? So when it comes to my vision of fishing, I'm, I don't consider myself just a fly fisherman mm-hmm. or just a bass fisherman. I consider myself like a just a fisherman. I enjoy being out on the water. I enjoy immersing myself in nature. And with fly fishing, it really gives you the opportunity to really root yourself mm-hmm. in the environment, especially in like the Eastern Sierras. Yeah. So you're standing like just to set a picture, you're standing there in a river. Mm-hmm. Water's very healing. It, it's going past you. You're watching whatever hatch is happening, you know, mm-hmm. reading the water. You're all consumed at that moment with that situation. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you fish, you're having a good time, usually with some buddies. And uh, you can have a moment of solitude. Mm-hmm. And it, with bass fishing and freshwater fishing and, and fishing in the harbor and stuff like that, you get the same, but it's 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 different. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very much different. Your, your mindset is different. You're more predatory. You're not reactionary. Do you think it's because of the way the fish bite and what lure slash, you know, pattern you're using? You know, with fly fishing, I always think of it of being like, there's almost a joy of using the smallest thing possible and catching a fish versus with bass. It's like, I don't want to say it's the opposite <laughs> about like, oh, I caught a 
12 inch spotty with a seven inch yeah. swim bait but like there is some weird idea of like even the way that they, they eat bait so differently yeah i think there's like an approach of how to fish from the get-go is very different there's two very different approaches so with fly fishing you're breaking down your run and mm-hmm. your nutrient lines and you know where's the structure where's not the structure where, where are they sitting mm-hmm. within that they're going to be in the calmer calmer water off to the side in the be, between the nutrient lines mm-hmm. with bass fishing it's you're covering a lot of water you're going to try to hit every single piece of structure that's possible mm-hmm. so it's going to be docks submerged rocks grass beds you're not going to see, see trout hanging up like that. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you know, so it's two different species and it's, they're so similar, but different at the same time. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like thinking with your right side of your brain and then thinking with <laughs> yeah. your left side of your brain. I think a big part of where we come from too, is having our relationship with the Eastern Sierra and how we, go there for peace Mm -hmm. and how we go there for respite. And then with bass fishing, there's almost already like a competitive side to it. Yeah. Also before you get to it. And can you explain to me though, you started fly fishing relatively recently. Yeah. Can you describe why you wanted to start fly fishing and then how bass fishing was there before, but also now where you connect gotcha. the two. So with bass fishing, even though it's um, even though it's this the you're kind of just doing the same kind of techniques, different. They're all the techniques are different. I was looking for diversity mm-hmm. in more or less the the areas I was fishing also diversity in um, what kind of fish I was targeting. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll give you for instance, it wasn't just like, I was just, it wasn't like I was trying to go to the Eastern Sierras and just fish strictly for trout. Mm-hmm. I was also looking for bonefish. I've gone bone fishing in mm-hmm. Hawaii, which was really rad. Mm-hmm. And then also I want to do redfish fishing mm-hmm. out in, in Texas. Yeah. So there was, I just wanted to have more opportunity to fishing, mm-hmm. even though you can fish, you know, with a conventional setup, the lighter flies work better mm-hmm. and you're going to have a better, um, outcome. Yeah. If that makes sense. I was reading what really turned, what really turned me from bass fishing to fly fishing. It, well, and I, I'm not, I didn't never gave up on bass fishing, mm-hmm. you know, but I just was looking for, more diversification. Yeah. So I read, um, the um, Lee Perkins book. He's the, he, not the founder of Orvis, but he took over Orvis Mm -hmm. in the sixties. And, um, he was talking about how the conventional steps were big and bulky and they weren't good for the, the, um, the snook and all that stuff Mm -hmm. in, in the mangroves in Florida. So he started fly fishing with, you know, like, uh, three weights, four weights, and they mm-hmm. had a lot of success. Well, yeah. that really turned me on to, I could have a lot more success. I can bass fish with fly, a fly set up too, which I have mm-hmm. at Irvine Lake and it rocked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so he hit the way he described it in his book. 
I, it really turned me on to more diversification. I think that that's a really good example of red fishing. Like you can conventional fish for redfish, but to some degree, it just is like, that's not the right approach. Like, you no. know, intrinsically, like this is not the way I'm supposed to be presenting the flop or presenting the bait to this yeah. fish, even though you can do something totally synthetic and do all that. It, yeah. it just is like, there's a certain art in the approach of the fish in general. Mm -hmm. And like you said, bonefish, I'm sure you can use rod and reel to catch bonefish. Of course. But there's like the added challenge. It would be like rifle hunting versus archery. Yeah. Certain times there's the day that you need to take a 300 yard shot. And then there's other times where the art of sneaking up and being 25 yards away from that animal is is the pursuit yeah you know and obviously we're here for all different reasons but i think red fishing is like a perfect example like i mean people use conventional gear all the time for trout and yet i would argue they're still missing something they're missing a little bit of that deeper knowledge of why a fish is where they are and why they're feeding the way that they're feeding that I think fly fishing brings you down into that world. And so you look at the water so differently when you're fly fishing than when you're using bait or a spinner or, you know, anything like that conventionally. Normally if we are out on a lake, an Alpine Lake or, you know, convict Lake, I maybe would use conventional gear and just be like, I know where the fish should be. They're going to be deep. I can't cast that far. So why not use conventional gear? But primarily if I'm going to fish a river, it's, I, I, I don't know how I could even pick up a conventional setup and cast right and mm -hmm. be where the fish exactly should be. And with fly fishing, you instantly have, that certain reach, that certain drift, that certain way of fishing that will bring your pattern, whether it's a big streamer or a small nymph or a dry fly, right past where the fish you you know is going to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think maybe that's different in bass fishing, but it's like when I go to a river, I know where the fish yeah. should be. I, I know exactly where they're gonna be. <laughs> And like this thing, like if you notice, like with bass fishing, it's like oh, they they lean a lot on electronics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they have their live scope, they have their fish finder, they have active target. They can pick pick apart uh, a seventy five foot section of water. Yeah, with like military precision. Uh huh. You know, like <laughs> and with fly fishing, it's like almost like a crapshoot. You're just you're not sure yeah. if. You know, there's fish there. There should be fish there due to the, the knowledge that you've attained. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's – I also feel like there's a cultural difference mm -hmm. between, like, guys at conventional reel for trout, like, say, in Convict or whatnot. Yeah. And guys that, like, fly fish mm -hmm. in the lower Owens. One thing – and I mean this in all sincerity, but one thing I wished at the PCS show – and all the people that I'm talking to, whenever I talk to somebody 
who does a lot of saltwater fishing. And then they are like, oh, I went up to the mountains to go fishing. I already know that they're using conventional gear. Yeah. And the way that they approach it is so differently. And I'm like, I wish you just knew about fly fishing. I wish you knew like how to approach these places differently. Yeah. And for whatever reason, and this is why I want to talk to you for whatever reason, I feel like those two roads are completely different. You're always like, you're literally somebody who knows nothing about trout and where they should be and you're kind of catching them off of luck, but you're spending so much time learning about all other fishing it's like, why can't you just read a little bit or watch like a couple of YouTube videos yeah. and try it and say like, wow, like I know how to do this now. It just seems to be like, that's the way, fi- like that's the way fishing should be. If you're in an area that needs, you know, a different type of bait to catch a bass. Yeah. Why can't you be like, oh, I need just a different type of rod and a different way of casting mm-hmm. to get this fish. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Like, um, I have a friend, I'm not going to say his name, but he went from being a big deep sea guy, Mm -hmm. big deep sea guy. He did probably, I think at one time he was telling me he's doing 10 trips a year Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like, like seven day, 10 day trips. Yeah. And he started fly fishing and he said, he's never going back. Mm -hmm. He, and he goes, I feel more connected to me as a fly fisherman mm-hmm. than I ever did out deep sea fishing. Mm. And this is a guy, he showed me pictures of like huge, huge bluefin. Mm-hmm. This absolutely massive. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, was kind of taken back because he has this like similar background as me, you know, in the trades, but he, he's now found himself more at home. Which is, I think, is like really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do think there there could be a crossover. Yeah, but it, like you said, it takes time to learn. Yeah, just that little bit. Yeah, I hope in general that the way people approach fishing is like how you approach fishing because we have a huge problem in Southern California, and I talk about it all the time, but mammoth is six hours away and so no matter how much you love fly fishing Mm -hmm. you can't do it and i i will argue that it can be fun but if you want to fly fish in the harbor just you're wasting your time you're not wasting your time because not that you won't get bit because you will but you could spend a lot more time learning about spotties and where they are and how to fish for them and have fun doing it with a bait caster. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny that you, you say that because I've run across being on the Harbor so much. I've run across a lot of like a lot of just different type of fishermen. Mm -hmm. I've run across a couple fly fishermen on the Harbor Mm -hmm. and I was talking to them and, you know, I asked one of them, how are you set up? Like, mm-hmm. what what exactly are you using? Because I was thinking about giving it a try. Mm-hmm. I have I have the rod I have the 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 rod and reel set up for it. Yeah. You know, I have a weighted line and everything. 
So I was asking him like, Hey, what kind of setup do you have? And he's mm-hmm. breaking it down for me. He's running like a 22 foot leader, like a straight 22 foot leader yeah. with 24 inches of tippet and two neutrally balanced woolly buggers. Uh huh. And, um, he checks to see how, how deep it is at that point with the current and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he sets an indicator at the water level uh-huh. and he lets the motion of the waves lift the woolly buggers up and down. He mm. just sits there until he gets a bite. Yeah. And he goes, you know, it's really effective, but you got to have a lot of patience. Well, I mean, that would be like using like a weightless creature bait mm-hmm. on a bait caster. I mean, that is hard. It is. Too. And it I is. did that a lot last year. And it's like, you're watching your line, like you watch an indicator. And I was wishing in a way that I had an indicator mm-hmm. because you're just waiting for that line to like pull a little bit. Yeah. But that waiting game of like letting your creature bait just like sit there kind of like float in the limbo land yeah, <laughs> on the way down, you know, it's, it's an art in and of itself. And so talking about fly fishing, when you say like, you know, this guy's using an indicator and letting it sit there, it's like, I don't see the difference between the two. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the difference between like which reel you're using because you're using like the same technique. Yeah. Same technique. And like, I feel like if you're harbor fishing with a lot of structure, like, yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get spotties on the way I said, but mm-hmm. also like they're, they like grass beds. Mm-hmm. They like rock beds. They like le- like shelves. Mm-hmm. They like sitting in pilings and structures. And if you can cast, I, I go fishing to catch fish in the harbor. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, if you can get your lure, pitch it, flip it or whatever, punch it <clears throat> between the docks, between the pilings, between mm-hmm. the boats, you're going to have a 99% better time catching fish than you are sitting there with the indicator hoping a fish comes by so like that being said when i go on my float tube and i'm floating around the harbors 90 percent of my casts are just flipping it in between boats or like right under like you said the docks mm-hmm. and like i can't even imagine back casting to get that ca- that no. same there's you can't put your fly where the fish are for if you're fishing for spotties you know it just seems like you got for the time you need to be under two different pilots (laughs) waiting for that you know ambush Mm -hmm. and then if you went to go set your hook like you don't even have like the right space to do it yeah but you know obviously people do it and they have a lot of fun but it just is like, I'm, I'm trying to catch fish in the easiest way yeah. possible for spotties. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being like almost brand specific, you know, it's like, I just want spotties. Yeah. Maybe a halibut. Yeah. But I definitely want to do it like the most con- easiest, not easiest, but conducive way mm-hmm. where I'm not sitting there with a bunch of line out, Yeah, you know floating down the harbor, worrying about the current Mm -hmm. and all all of that. So I I see what you mean. I wonder if we lived in Mammoth 
how we would fish differently if the river was five minutes away or, you know, 10 minutes away versus, you know, maybe then it's like (laughs) you become this like obsessed swim bait guy like Mm -hmm. in mammoth and you're like, oh, like I have to go travel a lot farther to get, you know, I know that there's bass up there too, but it's like, I think in a weird way, we have, when we fish the harbor, we're fishing one because we miss fishing the tug. Like we want to catch fish, but it's our backyard. And so to some degree it's, we're doing it for the enjoyment of fishing, not so much the escape and adventure of fly fishing, Yeah, you know? And so it's so much work. I mean, even going down to river jetties with a fly rod and getting the line in between your toes. And it's already hard enough to catch fish down there. And I talked to Doug a couple podcasts ago and I loved it. And he was like, I spent two years trying to catch a Corbina yeah. down at river jetties. And he finally did. And I love that dedication. But at the same time, I've had friends that go down to river jetties and they're using, you know, a simple lure and they catch 50 fish in a day. And so it's like, well, which one do you want? <laughs> yeah. Well, when I started, it's funny because when I started going to the Harbor, um, I was fly fishing, mm-hmm. but I was getting my line tangled. I was not having a good time and I was getting more stressed out than I wanted to. Yeah. And I, then I realized like, and I almost had to come to terms with it myself. Like, Hey, Fly fishing has its place Mm -hmm. and conventional fishing has its place. Yeah. And it almost made me re-fall in love with bass fishing again. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it, and it was, it was like an, like a, a rediscovery. Yeah. Cause I had picked up fly fishing so hard. Like I was like all about it. Uh And I, it really was really fun cause it was very new. And so I did it. I had a lot of success, but in the harbor, it just wasn't conducive to that Mm -hmm. type of fishing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying not for everybody, just for me. I think you did. You got the bug of fly fishing really hard. Yeah, I did. But yeah, I think of all like the good things that happen when you do that, because like you learn how to cast like weighted line and you Mm -hmm. do all this. So like, if you do want to go, into a more tropical place it's like you can cast into the wind a whole lot better than simply you know flipping up a nymph and letting it drift for 10 feet which is primarily like yeah you might do a little bit of big roll casting but we don't even unless you live in mammoth you're not gonna dry fly cast that often Mm -hmm. so you need to learn how to present your fly softly at some point Mm -hmm. and I do think that fly fishing has its place and I've fished a lot on a fly here in Newport and out on the ocean and like all this stuff. So like, I'm thankful that I have that kind of skill mm-hmm. a little bit still needs finessing if I was going to go yeah. down and try to fish for tarpon or bonefish. But all that time you spend like learning how to cast is always going to help you. And then the contrast between that of like knowing 
knowing when to do it best. You know, yeah. like you got so obsessed with fly fishing that it was like really exciting to see. But you went out to Irvine Lake and were fly fishing for bass. Yeah. And it's funny because like talking to you like, you know, three or four months after that, you're like way back into yeah bass fishing. normal bass yeah. fishing. But it was like you went out there for like a week straight, just like casting your fly. Rod. Yeah. Trying to I was tying flies and trying to just hammer down the patterns that they were hitting on mm -hmm. the issue like that I experienced with Irvine Lake was that the levels had dropped so much mm -hmm. that I'm casting a weighted line into the shallows two, two feet deep. <laughs> yeah. It's only two feet deep and I didn't have access to deeper structure, yep. deeper elements and out like out in Irvine, like you're going to have a lot of luck catfishing or something of that nature where you just get a big hunk of bait and you chuck it out there with a nine foot rod and yep. let it sit. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you're going to have a lot of luck at that. But if you're like actively fishing, you're going to have luck, but also there's a lot of willows mm -hmm. and just heavy cover. It's hard to access. It, yep. It's complicated. I have a hat that I really like, but it just says like, keep fishing fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple, that idea. And yet, obviously, I think some people do enjoy like complicating it of like, if you wanted to, to do swim bait mm -hmm. fishing, it's like, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to catch fish yeah. using a swim bait. But that one that you might get might be well worth it, you know? Yeah. But it, uh, it's funny that you hit on that because like, that's the truth. So I, I want to have fun when I go fishing. Mm -hmm. I want to keep fishing fun. Yeah. So I'm going to change my methods if I'm not having fun. Mm -hmm. Is that selfish of me? Yeah. Probably a little bit, but not, not too much. Um, but also like to hit on what you were saying with the swim bait thing. Um, I was listening to a podcast and they had, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to say her name wrong, but it's Kayla Nevius. Hmm. She is a bow hunter. Okay. And, um, complete outdoors woman, super rad. But what she specifically does is swim baits for bass mm. in Lake Isabella mm -hmm. with her, with her boyfriend and his name's Aaron and dude, they pull out some huge bass out of that lake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in her podcast, she was talking about it took her a year from start to finish to catch one fish mm -hmm. to learn how to use a large swim bait. Yeah. And that's cool and all, but sometimes I'm the kind of person I might probably get tired of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I think the one thing that I, I do enjoy in all of these sports is being so dedicated to the craft that you're at. Mm -hmm. to get the fish you want you know if you want to catch a yellowtail on a surface iron fish the surface iron till you can't swing a rod anymore yeah you know like go at it as hard as you can if that's what you want to do but there might be a guy in the back of the boat that's already caught four fish because he's using bait and you have to be okay with that you yeah. know i also went all i feel like it's a very common i don't because i spent so much time fly fishing i don't feel like i was necessarily new to fishing 
but over the last two years, I've become a new fisherman for saltwater and bass. Mm-hmm. Like last year, the coolest thing to me that happened was I've been fly fishing for, you know, just about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. But when I started spotty fishing and I got a bait caster and I actually learned how, I mean, everybody talks about backlashing and like doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. Now I'm feeling fully capable. I'm like tying all the saltwater knots every day, getting mm-hmm. used to it. It's like I can go out onto a sport fishing boat and feel confident in the gear that I'm using and the yeah. knots that I'm tying and the lingo of like, Oh, like you need to go fast on this. You need to cast up current. You need to do all, yeah. all these like little things that if I was only fly fishing, I would never know. Like I would never know what to do with a big swim bait. I would never know what really to do with like a surface iron or like, all those little things. And so there's this certain way of, for me, I was able to spend this like three month time of obsession just for bass. And I was learning about like jerk baits and I was learning about spinners and I was learning about, you know, all the like under blades and this and that and being like, okay, well what's going to work. And exactly. Then I could go out every day and like go try it and, it was just funny. I spent so much time like and money at catch them, tackle, like buying like little new things and being yeah. like, this seems cool. Like, let's go try it. I went through that too because I necessarily wasn't a saltwater fisherman. Mm-hmm. I was a, a bass fisherman, Yeah, you know? And then I picked up fly fishing, which opened my eyes a little bit more. And I feel like the fly fishing has helped me. It's made me want to understand behavior patterns, what Mm -hmm. they're eating time of year, a lot more than just throwing a lure in front of something's face and trying Mm to, um, catch it. Yeah. As it stands now, I have a better understanding of behavior patterns, uh, water clarity, all that a lot better than I did back when I was primarily only bass fishing. Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. a mediocre bass fisherman. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of friends that did it. And it was cool. But when I got into fly fishing, I felt like it kind of amped up Mm. my understanding of just what's going on underneath the water. That's really a good, good point. That is really cool to just hear somebody be able to like dissect it a little bit deeper and to understand. Yes, it is a little bit of ambush fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're trying to get that fish to really come out aggressive. Yeah. But all these little factors matter that maybe it's like on the high tide. Maybe it's on the low tide. Maybe it's exactly when the water is like at slack tide, like all those things matter. And then all of a sudden you're out at 10 p.m. on the slack tide trying to fish like a certain way and being like you can you can figure it out. And like people talk about it, you know, a a good bit and be like, okay, like fish this area on this tide and fish that area on that tide. But when you kind of are used to that fly fishing style, you might be like, well, today it's this and the water clarity is like that. And I think if I use this, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't they bite it? You know, of course. And my friend in fly fishing, 
she always asks me like, well, how could you, how could you do that? Like, how could you catch that fish with a pattern that isn't even, it doesn't yeah. even have a name. And it's like, because I understand what the fish want this day, yeah. you know, um, for instance, like that, that day that we went fishing last year, I was like super jazzed because like you went fishing two weeks before mm -hmm. up and I think the water temp was like 50 or maybe not the water temp, the outside temperature was yeah, like was 50 low. degrees yeah. as a high. And then we went fishing two weeks later and it was like 75, 75 beautiful. And I was using all these bigger flies and you're still using small flies, which still work. Yeah. But like as spring is springing, the fish all of a sudden want big, bigger things. Yeah, they want to like, eat. Oh, like this is the first time I've seen a caddis, you know, all exactly. year. So they're going to take advantage of that. And it's, if you apply that to bass fishing, I'm, I'm sure it works just as well. It does. It does like different times of year during the spawn, you're going to want to use a jerk bait. Mm -hmm. And then in the, the, in the, in the summer, you're going to use a spinner, like, um, not a spinner, a top water, um, a lot mm -hmm. of top water action in the middle of the day mm -hmm. in the morning, you're going to want to use a lot of like finesse. Mm -hmm. So you're going to do like a weightless wacky rig or drop shot. If you're, if you're covering water, I would drop shot, mm -hmm. um, like a trick worm or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then if you're fishing structure, I would go with a Tokyo rig with like a two watt hook with a creature on the back. Mm hmm. And just pitch it at some structure that would that be like willows or docks, rocks, mm -hmm. some sort of just where you know that there's like submerged bushes, submerged branches, they congregate there. Mm -hmm. And um, you're going to have a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you kind of went into fly fishing, got into fly tying, and then quickly after that, the next thing I saw is you bought an airbrush and you're making your own crankbaits. <laughs> all right. So I can explain all of that. <laughs> so I got into the fly tying because I, the thing is, and, it, and it's economics. I got two kids. Mm -hmm. So I know people say, oh, it's going to cost more to make flies than it is to buy flies. Mm -hmm. But I had a lot of fun putting the flies together with my kids. Mm -hmm. So we would make pertagons because that's primarily what I fish with. I mm -hmm. like to nymph. So I would, we would tie pertagons together, make wacky color pertagons, mm -hmm. call them partygons. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then when I got started fishing in the harbor, um, I had a lot of old crankbaits, mm -hmm. like just discolored crankbaits from were older Paula's from like five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was on Instagram and I, his name is JK, JK lures. I believe mm -hmm. it is. And he was repainting old Rapala's. Uh huh. And I was like, I can do that. And so I talked, was talking to my neighbor mm -hmm. who, um, he repaint he, he repaints models and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he had an airbrush he wasn't using. Mm -hmm. So I, I borrowed it mm -hmm. and a couple paints and yeah. I went to town and then I got, I've always like watched fishing on like YouTube and stuff like that. Well, I ran across Marling Bates mm -hmm. and he, <laughs> he, he's a whole nother creature, man. Totally. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's cool though. And what he does is very unique and really rad. So I just started 
you know, it's so easy to go down to Home Depot, get a stick of poplar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you explain to the people who don't know what he, what he does? Yeah. So Marling is a, I don't want to say YouTube sensation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he's a, he's a YouTube content creator. He makes, um, lures, swim baits. He makes crankbaits. He makes lipless crankbaits, lipped crankbaits, um, swim baits. We used to call them rattle traps, but Mm -hmm. they call them, they call them lipless crankbaits now. And then also, um, soft plastics. Mm -hmm. And so he makes the, he makes these lures on his channel and he paints them very realistically and he goes out and he catches them. Uh And if if he catches a fish with that, with that Mm -hmm. lure, he calls it, it's official. Every once in a while, he also makes some very obscure bait yes that is like a tropical fish a, <laughs> a bird i i messaged him once he was asking like uh what should i make next and i messaged him a tyrannosaurus rex oh man <laughs> yeah, i said it was some awesome. oddball stuff so he like i think he caught a bass on a toucan bait mm-hmm. at one point and you're like i mean obviously a toucan's not gonna be in yeah. the water or like how that would hydrodynamically swim through yeah. the water was very interesting, but he makes this like very beautiful, mm-hmm. very ornate, very ornate piece of art and then throws hooks on it and casts it. Yeah. But on the, <laughs> like the sa- needle fish, like all these weird things. And then in the same breath, like he made one of like a three quarter inch wooden ball yep. with a treble hook on it and he caught a ton of fish on that. <laughs> and then he caught some on a block of wood. <laughs> This is like a straight up piece of like, I think it was mahogany. Yeah. And he like sealed it. He threw a hook on it. No propeller, no nothing. So, so good. He, though, his airbrushing is, I I don't want to say bar none, but his ability to paint those baits is incredible. It makes, it makes it look easy. And yet there's something so beautiful about the way he paints them and the colors and the detail in any of his baits but it it's really cool so he's he's very extremely talented at what he does mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm happy that there's somebody out there showing guys like me how to do stuff like that because i'm not like we were talking about earlier i'm not artistic at all yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know so but i'm really happy like um there's just somebody kind of leading that way Mm -hmm. i think the one thing that's interesting about fly tying is it's just resourcefulness like Mm -hmm. after a while like you just have a bunch of stuff and then you put you keep putting those things together differently and you come out with different flies yeah with the crankbait stuff all it takes is like you said if you had a bunch of old baits all of a sudden you're like for 150 dollars i could get an airbrush and just Go to town. Go to town. It's so cool. Like, I've wanted to learn how to airbrush for so long. And because you can do all sorts of things. Like, I got into wood carving duck decoys. Yeah. Not that I carved them, but I would buy a carved duck. Yeah. But, like, learning how to airbrush is, like, it's just so different. It's so cool. And then I saw you, like, getting into all the crankbait stuff, and it was, like, I don't know how many you've made, but it seems like... I've made like... a few, and I've caught, I've, I've caught fish on my crankbaits that I made. Right now, I'm working on one. Um, it, I, I, it's like a... 
you know Eddie Van Halen's guitar, mm-hmm. how it's like like uh, red and black and the, the the way he painted it. Yeah, I'm making a crankbait like that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like I have this total envisioned of how I'm gonna like show it on my Instagram, but like it's gonna be rad. That's awesome. Look for it in the next ten years. Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, also at the same time, that simple obsession of, like, making those things become, you know, in fly tying, mostly it's copying um, other flies that you've seen from other people. And mostly the hooks are not bigger than your fingernail. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be creative. Yeah. But, like, with the... I don't know enough about bass fishing, but colors are always one of those things that it's, like every color is going to work in different days. So you can kind of make it whatever you want and like have fun with it. And even like the shapes and sizes and all that thing, all that stuff. It's like, if you're going to spend $500 for a swim bait, why not just like go have fun and like make one yourself? Well, it's funny because you remember we went, the first time we ever went fishing was at in Newport. Yeah. Yeah. And you were you you handed me a fly and you were like, if it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. Yeah. <laughs> so like every time like I I because chartreuse in the harbor is like super effective. Mm-hmm. It is like like if you have anything with a hidden chartreuse, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit. Uh huh. So every there was a couple times where I I painted some chartreuse yeah bellies on a, on a on a crankbait you know like old Rapala yeah like. 10 to 12 foot and um i was like always thinking like if it ain't chartreuse it ain't no use (laughs) well everybody talks about red like Mm -hmm. and especially for calico it's like red 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 like if you don't get bit on red go somewhere else like whatever i really haven't had that much like great luck i've had a lot of luck on pink and i've had a lot of luck on the chartreuse and it's just one of those like funny things where like I don't know it's my confidence lure yeah. is one of those two colors. Well, it's funny that you say pink because, like, with the way I fish, like, I move from I usually start out with a white, uh-huh. and from white I move to a chartreuse. Mm-hmm. From chartreuse I usually move to a red, and then or pink. It just depends on the uh-huh. water color at that point. Why are you making those changes uh, with with those colors? Just walk me through a little bit because I'm learning in yeah. this too. But. So it depends on my depth. So okay. watercolor changes every foot. Mm-hmm. Your lure changes every foot. So if I'm throwing, if I see a lot of bait fish, mm-hmm. like mackerel or whatnot, I'm going to want to throw a more chartreuse color. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I... In my mind, I want to throw a more chartreuse color, but I do something chartreuse with a dark back. Mm-hmm. And um, nine times out of ten, I usually get hooked up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't see relatively too many bait fish in the harbor, I tend to stick with white mm-hmm. because it just it just gives it that little bit like a lone lone ranger out there, yeah, asking to be yeah. eaten. Kind of has like the flashers on. It's like yeah, it does. It's like <laughs> it's like hey, I'm here, but I'm not supposed to be. I'm a little lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I throw usually the reds. I'll throw more towards the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of 
and, and it's really weird, not at a slack tide, but just in the middle, more middle of the day and I'll run them down docks. Mm-hmm. So I have like a, it looks like a craw, but it's just a, like a, it's a square bill crankbait mm-hmm. and I'll rip it down the docks. Now I'll, I'll do a m- awesome. medium retrieve. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get hit a lot. So you're not bouncing it off the bottom. Like most people, when they use crankbaits no. near like the long beach wall, they're like bouncing it off the rocks. Yeah. Th- well that the bounce hits, it, it activates a reactionary bite, mm-hmm. you know? And, but with me, what I found is if I can get it just in front of their face and bring it through in a realistic manner, mm-hmm. I will get hit. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's the same with throwing like, um, with a, like a like a soft plastic, mm-hmm. just bring it through, uh, you know, at a nice pace, but as realistic as possible with a couple twitches, yeah. you'll get hit. Yeah, there. I'm I'm learning a lot about those approaches because just like fly fishing, to me, it's like there's so many different days and so many different types of water mm-hmm. and so many different types of lures. Like I feel like I've gotten pretty confident in being able to fish. Like I said, a swim bait, just really slow on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I catch a lot of fish that way, but I know that there's eight other ways to catch fish. Yeah. And, you know, I don't necessarily use like a rigs or whatever. Caught a couple on like the blade, you know, um, what's war baits one that has like two blades and then like a swim jig underneath it. Yeah. I think. It's, um, can't remember what they call the war blade. I think yeah, is it's what they it's call it. It's just a spinner bait. Yeah. It's a, a, a double blade spinner bait. But I've got a lot of fish on that. But other than that, I'm still learning a lot about some of those classic styles of bass fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, finesse fishing with anything weightless is still like I'm learning so much. The with weightless in the harbor, it's it's hard with the current. Mm-hmm. Um I, I like to, I like to throw a Ned rig uh-huh. just when I'm starting out Yeah, just to kind of get a feel of like what color patterns might be working that day. Mm-hmm. Might add, I'm going out with like 10 fishing poles, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm like rigged to the max. So, uh, usually throw a Ned rig on, but what I've been doing lately is throwing, um, Strike King has a, is it cool if I yell at these companies? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Strike King has a bladed minnow uh-huh. and it's a KVD bladed minnow. Okay. It's 5.5 inches. I've been throwing that. Um, I just been using it finesse. So I'll either nose hook it mm-hmm. with like, um, with, I'll either rig it through the body with a, like a, with a weighted head mm-hmm. or I'll nose hook it on. It's supposed to be made for drop shot. Okay. So I'll nose hook it, drop shot. And I'll just cast it out and then I'll twitch it very soft and very slow. And I will just basically understand like what's going on, trying to cover as much water mm-hmm. as possible to see what's working. Uh-huh. And then I, and then I'll fine tune from there. Have you ever used um, a fluke? Yes. I like the, I I've tried those a couple times where you like put a kind of heavy, like egg sinker yeah. and then you like wind it down. So essentially the fluke is like going down to the bottom and then like coming up slowly and yeah. going back down to the bottom. So you're going to use a fluke like a jerk bait. You're going to uh-huh. twitch it. So the way I run a fluke is depending on like we're coming up on when you want to go run, when you're going to want to run a fluke. But uh-huh. so 
I would do it with a a weighted underspun hook. Yeah. So like you're looking at like a maybe two aught underspun hook or a three aught mm-hmm. underspun hook um, with it where that has a weight in the keel. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to cast it, let it fall, twitch it, let it deadfall, twitch it, let it deadfall. Mm-hmm. And um, all the way back to you and then rinse and repeat. Yeah. That's the way I do the flukes. Um, chartreuse flukes really work really well. Also, Yum has um, flukes. Mm-hmm. They they range from like the little three inch flukes, mm-hmm. and the ones that work for me on those is the white, and then on their back it's a, like a, it's a translucent back, a clear back mm-hmm. with silver flake. Mm-hmm. That works really well for yeah. me. Um, they have ones that's like a a six inch fluke, and then a five, I think a three inch fluke. And I run flukes. I have a lot of flukes. I mm-hmm. run a lot of flukes. I feel like for whatever reason, I I guess I just got on some YouTube, you know, downward spiral last year where like I watched way too many videos on flukes and I was like, I just want to catch fish using this method, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, have you tried the submission like flat fall yeah. type stuff? Yeah, I have. Have you had much luck on those or? Um, yeah, I have. But I have, and they work great. Yeah. Like, and I've talked to the owner of submission mm-hmm. at the PCS show. Yeah. Super cool guy. Yep. Um, I like them. They're super rad. I wish they made like a, a five gram or uh-huh. seven gram. Yeah. They're pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a little heavy. And like Daiwa makes a, a uh, like a 15 gram and a 20 gram. Mm-hmm not the same as a treble on the bottom. Yeah. And so, um, Daiwa makes one and it's effective. And I was almost thinking of taking my Dremel and taking material off uh-huh. Uh-huh. to lighten it up because yeah. it's like the perfect size. Yeah. And I'm, and, but the, 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 the deadfall, the, from submission, it works well and you can pitch it in tight corners uh-huh. and you can just work it in the, the wide open kind of grassy areas. Yeah. And it works really well. Um, Lane uses that. He he's really effective uh-huh. in um, in that style of fishing. It's it is interesting because to me it's a little. I don't want to say it's slow or tedious, but it's a totally different type of day fishing one of those than it is like even you know just yeah classic swim bait. But I have noticed if I'm not catching fish that sometimes putting that on really will change your day. It will. You know, which is kind of nice. <laughs> it, it, it changes. What I find is if I'm struggling, say I'm struggling throwing a crankbait or a Ned rig or whatnot, I will change to something completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all I'm doing is just changing the behavior yeah. that I've preset in. Mm-hmm. So if I'm throwing a crankbait, I'm ripping them in. Yeah. You know, at a medium pace, just ripping them in. And um, that can, like, if you're doing that with, like, a Ned rig, too, you're just the same. You're just casting it out, letting it hit the bottom, and you're just ripping them on in. Yeah. You're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, I would, from that point, switch to something really finesse where you're going to spend a lot of time in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would cast out a drop shot or something with a slow twitch. 
you know, mm-hmm. and just, and with that deadfall that submission makes, that's a really good kind of pace changer. Yeah. Because now you're, you have to actively think about lifting your rod up and dropping it, mm-hmm. bringing it in a little bit, lifting it up and dropping it. Yeah. With um, the difference, I feel like there's a big difference and you can totally correct me, but the difference between San Diego Harbor fishing and the community that's down there versus the community up here. Um, you know, they have like the Mad Max fishing club <laughs> and like Roman Castro does like so much for spotty fishing down there mm-hmm. and fishing tournaments. And then Newport Harbor kind of has this rumor in a way that the spotty fishing just isn't good. And I feel like you're also somebody that would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know what it was 20 years ago. Yeah. But I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I That's one thing I don't, I really don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Because I'll go out and like, I follow a couple forums mm-hmm. with some guys, um, the California Harbor, uh, the California Harbor Fishers. Yeah. They're a, a kayak group. Yeah. I follow them and they post their tallies. Mm-hmm. Those guys are killing it. Yeah. And yeah. they fish Newport, they fish Alamitos, but Newport, I would say would be their, like their, their kind of home base. Yeah. And they're posting like 11, 12, 16 fish. Yeah. You know, and they're not giants, but they're fish. Yeah. You and, don't need uh, a giant spotty to have fun. <laughs> no, you don't. Not at all. They're, they're like, spotties are like smallmouth, like pound for pound. They're going to give you a good fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I always joke around and say their will to live is a lot stronger. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, um, me personally, when I go out, I've caught, I've caught a good amount of fish. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. usually, I'm pretty successful when I go out. Yeah. Um, and I do spend a lot of time on the water, but I don't feel like the fishing is crap. Yeah. By any means. I yeah. feel like it's, it's actually like a really productive fishery. And the thing that bothers me is, and it's going to go off the subject, but how much trash I see in the harbor. Yeah. We just need to take care of that. That way we can have more fish. Yeah. You know? It's funny how, um, especially with the rain right now, I understand that there's a lot dumping into the harbor. Yeah. But even like in the summertime and all that stuff, like it's a very busy, busy harbor. It is. And, um fishing can be very difficult when it's like you only have Saturdays and Sundays. And then if you wake up early, you know, you'll get out there before a lot of busyness yeah. happens. But if you try to go mid afternoon, it's like, you're, you're, you're never going to get it. You're, you're just never dodging Duffy boat after Duffy yeah. boat. But yeah, it seems like, um, a lot of people discredit Newport and they go, Oh, like it's not as good as it used to be. So they just don't fish it. And it seems like overall, when you talk to people, there's this general sense of like, it's not like long beach. It's not like San Diego. It's not one of those places you want to spend a lot of time. Yeah. And then if you actually fish it, you start realizing like, there's a lot of fun to have to have here. And there's still a ton of water. Maybe, you know, you're not in those like classic spots that used to work all the time, but Mm -hmm. 
I still, you know, I'll go out there for two hours and I've caught three or four fish and it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't even out there for <laughs> Yeah. Like sometimes like when the kids are at school and I have like two or three hours, I'll yeah. go launch and fish and have a blast. Yeah. You know, but like, and I'll catch like three or four and call it a day. Yeah. What I like about fishing Newport is because I am a resident of Costa Mesa. This mm-hmm. is the, how close it is. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to drive six hours to Mammoth. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's relatively close. It, the access is really nice. I'm not going to say where I access cause I don't want to mm-hmm. blow it up, mm-hmm. but there is good access areas Yeah, during the weekends. Your access is going to be severely limited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you get there early and you fish. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, like to see newport have like more of a fishing tournament type community where like people are going out and talking a lot to each other or do you do you like it the way it is kind of of like the way it is now like i guess would you like it to be a little bit like san diego where every weekend almost they're having some sort of community of fishing fishing tournaments <laughs> uh there's there's a tournament that rolls through there with the i forget their acronym it's the california they have the the red banner mm-hmm. i'm sorry if i the can't CCA? remember cca cca okay it. yeah cca has a tournament mm-hmm. um through their spotty bulls starting to do a tournament yeah. through there that's cool and all mm-hmm. and i'm really happy about that i do think the community does need to be built up mm-hmm um, especially in the Newport area, what I would like to see is a lot more like dudes from San Diego coming up, maybe fishing the Harbor mm-hmm. guys, the long beach guys coming over Alamitos. Yeah. That would be cool. Kind of the co-mingling, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, because like realistically, like I haven't fished long beach. I have buddies who fish long mm-hmm. beach, but I haven't gone out there and like really taken it apart. Yeah. And I would like to. And how do you do that? You connect with some friends mm-hmm. and you go ahead and you, you plan a trip out there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like um, the reason why I ask, I guess, is because it does seem I do know that the fishing community is very small when you yeah. actually get into it. And sometimes I feel like Newport is kind of like skipped over in that sense of like we're fishing san diego and then we're fishing long beach and we're not fishing anything in between and i mean we have huntington harbor we have los alamitos of all these places that are very fishable yeah and one thing that i was talking to my friend about last week is you know why why am i doing this podcast like what am i trying to like get out there you know and for me it's still like we have this in our backyard I want as many people to use it as possible. And so that when they're making decisions on what to do in Newport Harbor, it's like they're thinking about all the kids that are learning how to fish out there too, you know? And I feel like that's the way it used to be in Newport. And now like the one hard thing that I've noticed with Newport is like the access points are very difficult. They are. If you're trying to, you know, go by foot, it's like, can't really do it. So, 
you know, for me, I decided to buy like a float tube and that works great. You have a kayak, mm-hmm. but it's like, we don't make a lot of choices for people to have this. And, you know, CCA is like big thing of, you know, kind of pushing the stuff about 30 by 30 and closing fishing to like, you know, not all fishing, but like a lot of public fishing to people who can't have access is like, if people aren't using it, of course they're going to take it away. You know, that's the thing. We don't want that stuff to be taken away. Yeah. We need more accessibility. Yeah. Especially down in the Harbor. I feel like what we lack in Southern California is accessibility. Mm -hmm. Like a, a lot of it. Yeah. And that goes into like over in Black Star Canyon area. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of hiking trails back there. You you can't act. It's public land, but you can't access it. Mm-hmm. The county won't let you. Yeah. That is yeah. preposterous. To <laughs> it's me. so confusing. <laughs> I pay taxes for that land. Yeah. You know, and I'm not getting on a high horse here, but, you know, I, it, there should be responsible management. But I mean, it's close for like 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Since as long as I can remember. Yeah. We need access to the harbor we need access to just good fishing mm-hmm. it, it's it's really important because like i i want to bring my kids up fishing mm-hmm. just the way i was brought up yeah and it, it's it's so hard we go fishing on balboa island mm-hmm. and we will i will like take my spinning rod and we'll cast just before the docks i'll cast they'll reel in and we catch, you know, yeah. but it's just these days it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And then you walk along the beach on on Newport or not Newport, but on Balboa and you cast out and you, you catch fish and stuff like that. But like the accessibility, you're dealing with like other families and mm-hmm. people who don't like fishing. Yeah. I've run into that a lot. Yeah. So where it's still like it's still public ass- access but people think it's their private beach. <laughs> yeah, because they live in front of that beach and they yeah. think it's theirs. And like I was fishing, I'm not going to say like exact points. Yeah. But I was fishing in that area. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady who like was harping at me about me fishing so close to her dock. Yeah. And the water's public. Yeah. As long as I don't step foot on her dock, the water's public. Yeah. And she was not having it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not having it. You need to make uh, little stickers that say fishing is not a crime. Mm-hmm. Like back like in the 90s, like <laughs> skateboarding is not a crime. But, you know, a big part of me, for whatever reason, cares a lot about these like young high school kids that are looking at their phone all day long, haven't. I was telling somebody this the other day, but like once you start fishing or once you start hunting, you'll never be bored again in your entire life. Yeah. You know, because there's always that like new thing that you could try or like work on it a little bit better. And I just, I mean, I remember being bored as a teenager and I wish somebody just said, please go do this. Yeah. You know, and we fished a little bit, but like now with how much you can learn on YouTube and everything. It's, it's a bit different, you know? Yeah. Like you can dial it in and figure out like the real skill of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I know it's like a pretty large statement that I'm about to make, but I feel like 
there's no reason for anybody not to be fishing. Yeah. Just with the amount of information out there, mm-hmm. like there, there should be no reason. Like yeah. every, like every kid that goes to Newport Harbor should be fishing Uh huh. because like, it's fun. Yeah. It's something you do with your buddies, you know, it's, it's just, and it just brings you like a little bit more respect for the environment, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is like huge. Yeah. You know, if I, if I feel like if a lot of people had a, just a little bit more respect for the environment, it would be a lot, we'd be in a lot better position. Uh-huh. There is um, somebody that I was talking to. I was up in Big Bear and they are sharing a story of how their friend is like, why do you even camp? Like, I just don't understand why you would want to do that at all. And, you know, for people who do go out and be like under the stars and in the quiet and like used to it, it's so refreshing. And then to other people, it's like they're so distracted already that it's like the quietness is like the worst thing in the world deafening you know and they're like the last thing i want to do is be alone with my thoughts and like you know we are also talking to um about like kids in general like now are kind of like well did you post it on youtube like did you did you make it like something you know, that everybody can watch that will go viral. It's like, no, I just fish to have fun. Like, I don't need to like, you know, for the people who do make YouTube, it's awesome. But then like, there's a certain time where you're like, I'm just doing this to do it because it's here and it's fun. And I'm with my friends and we don't have to do anything ridiculous to like have a good time. And I don't know. It's just kind of interesting of like the more you engage with these patterns and you know animals and everything it's like you just grow up into i don't know i think being a very diverse person and you have a very wide skill range that you're kind of ready for anything you know if you need to fix your car in an emergency you know how to do that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty because you've in a weird way touched so many fish and let them go that you're like, whatever, like this is just normal, just normal. And then, you know, all the way to being like, no, I can be like, have like a predator mindset if I'm in a business meeting and I need to like be aggressive Mm -hmm. and get somebody to bite on my idea, you know, because those are skills too. And I don't think people like equate those the same way, but you're like, yeah, I know how to, I know how to be aggressive and like go after this too. Yeah. It's funny that I just want to hit on what you said previously with the, the social media thing. And Mm -hmm. my wife and I have a joke and I tell her, Oh, I caught four today. Mm -hmm. She goes, well, did you get a picture of it? And if I say no, then her response is, well, then it didn't happen. Yeah, You know, like I'm just like, that's and that's the way society's kind of going. Like if you didn't get a picture of it, it it did not happen. I don't care what you say. Yeah. And I mean, there obviously is so much fun of just like recording it and seeing like and learning yourself. Like if you have a GoPro on your kayak and you're filming the whole time, you can like rewatch where you were at. Like uh, our our friend Cody that we went fishing yeah. with uh, last year, he's like, dude, when I catch a fish, I just black out. I can't remember anything. <laughs> and so it's like, it's cool to have like a go. And like one of those things too is like, I'll never knock somebody for having a GoPro and trying to film like the of whole course. day and have like 
these are the five fish that I caught. And well, it's a memory because not everybody gets to fish every day. Yeah. Like we're, yeah. we're like us in general being where we're at, our weather's always good. Mm-hmm. And we're so fortunate to be, we're like literally a mile from the ocean right now. Yeah. We're fortunate enough to be able to do that. Some mm-hmm. people, they live in Hesperia and they, I know a guy who lives in Beaumont. Yeah. And he had, brings his kayak out on Saturdays. Yeah. And that's like, he gets four hours on Saturdays. Round trip is like, he gets maybe eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going to a mile square park um, to shoot my bow mm-hmm. recently. And there's a pond in there that people will fish all the time. And it's just kind of interesting because it's like very manicured there. And I'm sure that there's a couple bass and like, you'll hear all these people like talk about freshwater bass fishing. And like, this is where they learned how to like use to certain lures and like do all this stuff. And then I'm like, at the same time, like it's only 15 minutes from there down to Newport. And yet, like if you go to the fishing docks out there, it's you're like, there aren't even fish here. Like, I don't know why yeah. they have these fishing docks here because you're not going to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny because my kayak seat broke in October. Uh-huh. So I shipped it off to Hobie and while they were repairing it, I had, I wasn't, they didn't have access. So I yeah. was like, I'm going to hit the docks. Yeah. I caught one fish on one dock. I went like 12 times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I couldn't figure it out. And then finally I, I started walking from the ferry down towards Happy Island or Collins mm. Island, uh-huh. I think it is. And I was catching fish over there and having a good time. And I started taking my kids and stuff like that. But like, you know, it's hard to shore pound. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for those guys. Mm-hmm. I know that um, Pat from Real Happy he shore pounds a lot. Yeah. And he has a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And that's attributed to how good of an angler he is. Yeah. You know, and just, I don't think I have that kind of patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like get out there, hit a like 200 yard run of docks, pick it apart, move on to some grass beds, pick it apart, and then continue to the, the mooring balls and pick it apart. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so a big part of the podcast is like sharing some wisdom, um, you know, in your kind of time bass fishing and fishing recently, like what maybe is some wisdom that you've been collecting while fishing recently? I would have to say slowing it down. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually being fishing with intent. Mm-hmm. So like, like almost like thoughtfulness, like, so what's your objective mm-hmm. when you go fishing? Like that, like basically like you, you plan ahead. What is my objective? What am I planning on doing? Assessing when you get there and evaluating your objective. Mm-hmm. So, um, just that kind of mindset, you're going to be a, a lot more, successful than if you were just to get out there and be like, all right, well my crankbait worked last time. So I'm just going to start throwing that now. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, it could be completely a different story underwater. Yeah. You could have had a, had a seal run through and they're scared of everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And so like, just really be thoughtful and it'll make you plan out your day a lot better. Mm -hmm. You'll have more success. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. Um, 
before I got the float tube, my brother, we would like fish off of his like boat mm-hmm. in the harbor, which is very, very difficult because we didn't have a trolling motor or anything like that. Yeah. So we trolled a lot, which in most tournaments is not allowed, but we would use like a little um, trolling lure. We caught a lot of like pretty big um, spotties out there. But it was like so funny because like I can't kick fast enough to even like troll well, you know, yeah. like on my float tube. But it's funny how like there's so many different methods and ways to learn how to catching fish out there that like I really think that going out and having a plan and a method of like how to get a little bit better and like you said, like re- like thinking about it, recording it, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the drawing board the next day and be like, that was weird. Like I didn't catch fish that same because oftentimes like you will go out from one day to the next. And if you're using the same method, it won't be the same day. Yeah. And it gets, I mean, that's like the goal of any outdoorsman is to like have a wide range of skill set, and then finally when it matters, you put it all together, you know, because there could be a day where like you're out fishing, maybe you're even fishing for like yellowtail or Dorado or something. And you're like, something's not right. Like they're not, they're not, they should be hitting, but they they're should not. be. And yet, and then, you know, like, Oh, like, let me try this instead. And you pull out a totally different method and then it works. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just funny how like, spotty fishing to me is you're targeting this true wild fish that acts a lot like it's bigger brothers yeah (laughs) you know so if you can figure out how to catch spotties then oftentimes you can figure out how to catch calico if you can figure out how to catch calico there might be a yellowtail Mm -hmm. sitting right next to it or white sea bass or you know anything like that and so there is this like thing where i i mean i don't even know if people try to keep spotties but i'm not never gonna keep one and i'm no i don't want to i don't really even want to keep calico but you know bringing home food at some point from fishing is like a big goal of mine so it's like i have to go through the learning process of how to become a good ocean angler yeah and spotties is like the perfect training ground and it's to some degree a full year-round fishery and it's only two miles away you know it's like why not fish it compared to mammoth where it's like I only get to go there like three or four times a year. <laughs> and that's the same for me. Like I go up there in the winter time to fish with Luke. Yeah. I me and my wife have a spring trip that we do. Yeah. No kids, just mom and papa. Mm-hmm. And then I go up there for the bass tournament and that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't get to go up there very often. And I think that's why I hold it so near and dear. Mm-hmm. And, but like the Harbor is, it's like you said, it's just right there. Yeah. So, and it, and it's really cool because, Different, like you said, different times of the year, different things work. In the wintertime, crankbaits really work. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. just, I've this winter, I really made an impact on crankbaits. That's awesome. Yeah. It's throwing like um, 
the KVD Squareville 4.0s, Normans. Um, they have the, 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 the elongated rounder bill, the spoon bill. Uh-huh. Uh, also, they have a Norman that is like a, like a three to four feet that I was throwing up against the shore. Uh-huh. But um, it worked really well as square bill. Some uh-huh. stuff I painted that uh, it, it was hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked great. It just weren't hitting that day. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, like, um, yeah. My one thing that I would encourage, you know, the fly fishing world to some degree is just like, go have fun bass fishing. You know, yeah. I was talking about it with uh, Doug the other day, but like the trout fishery is fished really hard and it's, you know, this kind of thing where we have to struggle every year with like the water's too warm and like all this stuff and you like get yourself kind of crazy because mm-hmm. all you want to do is like go catch a fish, but you feel like it's, you know, you're not allowed to, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden it's like bass are just like knocking on the door and yeah. it's like you can if you do know how to fish for spotties let's say in the harbor there will be a day that you're like it's gonna be top water and oh you yeah could, you could go out all day with a fly rod that on that day yeah and catch fish but you just have to be in tune to what is going on yeah like i said when i first started fishing in the harbor i was fly fishing yeah and because i, I have a hobie um pro angler uh-huh the reason why i stopped because i was getting tangled yeah and i just didn't like the fact that i was getting so tangled it was getting very frustrating yeah but there was days where they were hitting on my flies yeah and i was throwing you know white patterns with a like a blue head it looked like a mackerel yeah yeah <laughs> and and uh anders anderson he's a, he's a fly tire out of europe uh-huh. He did a lot of like articulated streamers. Same with Nick Bauer. He did yeah. a lot of, so I would just take those and they were tying them on like six on hooks and they're, they're pike guys. Yeah. Yeah. I would tie them on number four hooks, number two hooks. Yeah. And just downsize them to what I needed. Yeah. Cast them on my seven weight and, or my eight weight and just have a ball. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun, but I felt like the stars had to align, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Now I'm, I've kind of eliminated that sense of error with it getting my line stuck, all that frustration Yeah. with using my command, my bait casters and my spinning setup and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Plus I like the feel of a bait caster. I know. I know. I, like I said, I was like legitimately scared when I was learning how to, you know, fish with a bait caster. I thought it was just going to be a mess because you just hear horror stories. Like it's funny to talk like that but i do think some people are so intimidated to catch or to use a bait caster that they just don't fish yeah and so getting getting that practice in like i didn't know that bait casters had breaks on them yeah. and like all this stuff like it is actually very hard to backlash unless you really just it would be like taking a gun and like you know just haphazardly like what what is this and like pulling the trigger it's like you never you're never gonna do that yeah you know with a bait caster it's like as long as you keep like a little bit of pressure on your thumb it casts perfectly yeah every time you set your brakes and then you have like a a spool tensioner yeah 
you make sure your spool tension is set right. Yeah. You do a couple, you know, casts and you kind of pitch it out there to see if your your tension's right. And if yeah. it's good, you just rock and roll, man. Yeah. All day. Yeah. I I so. really like I've gotten tangled just you know, because I'm being an idiot out on the water, but I really never had a big, big problem with my reel that I was like, I can't like can't believe I'm doing this. And Yet, like, for whatever reason, I think people have this weird fear that that's what's going to happen yeah. when he's a baitcaster. I'll, I'll bet you this. <laughs> you take the the best guys, you, Kevin Van Dam, yeah. Scott Martin, Mike Iaconelli, all those big, the, the, the Bass Pastor, the, the elite guys. Yeah. They backlash, I guarantee, once or twice a tournament. Well, that's probably why they have 18 rods on their boat. <laughs> <laughs> they got, like, 40. Like, I remember... I used to argue with my older cousin Jeremy, yeah, about like how many fishing rods you need to bass fish, and he's he's he was like Illinois, he's from Illinois, uh huh. So he would be like, "No, man, Kevin Van Dam needs like forty rods." Yeah, I was like, "For what? Yeah, like what do you need that for? Kid, <laughs> does he know to tie a knot? Well, obviously he's tying forty knots." Yeah. <laughs> But we used to go back and forth about it. But it, it, it's, it's funny. Like, yeah. how many do you really need? But, like, in the heat of the moment, they could have, like, three different styles of jerk baits on, three different styles of yeah. square bill crankbaits, three different color patterns. He's trying to scope that water, cover as much water as possible to see what the fish are hitting on. Yeah. Because he is in it for cash. Mm-hmm. He is making a living. Yeah. Each cast is costing him money. Yeah. Yeah. That's... A- so funny when you think like how much pressure that would be like man i know yesterday have to bite right now. <laughs> yeah well yesterday was the Bassmaster classic uh-huh which is like the biggest tournament of the year yeah. in bass well in in bass the bass organization i actually need to get into that a little <laughs> bit more no because i know like a couple names but i just need it would be fun to follow it. Along, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I follow it. Like I, I, I like it a lot, but, um, the guy that won, he led all three days oh, of the tournament. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jeff Gustafson. Okay. And, um, he's, he, he was like, I just found the right pattern and it worked for me every day. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's talking about, he's like, the water was partly clouded loud. And, and then it was like, some parts were clear. He's like, I just fished the clear parts. And yeah. <laughs> I won. <laughs> so funny i mean we could go down the long rabbit hole of lures and all that stuff but it's just funny to me that like so many times like somebody will watch something like that and be like oh what were you using and then they'll like go buy that oh of course like if it might not ever work again oh yeah (laughs) of course like it was what was i doing i was i was talking to some somebody oh and i was like what are you throwing and there's like a small independent bait manufacturer, blacksmith baits. Uh-huh. The, the guy Pedro, uh, Pedro. And um, he, uh, I see him on the water. He's, he's hooked me up with a couple of his baits that are really nice. And I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, I use blacksmith baits. And he's like, well, what style are they? Because I'm never going to find that color again, you yeah. know? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, well, it's like a Ned rig, you yeah. know? Like, <laughs> it's, it's funny. So totally. Well, Ty, it's been super fun. I guess the final question is, do you, do you say you're a fly fisherman? Do you say you're a bass fisherman or what do you, what do you call yourself? I am just a fisherman. I like that. 
I enjoy all aspects of being on the water. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the discipline it takes to fly fish and the, um, the critical thinking it takes to, to bass fish. Yeah. I really enjoy both aspects of it. And I do believe there's a time and place for both. Yeah. And it just depends on what you want inside. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what does Ty want? Ty wants to connect deeper with nature. He wants to see the mountains. I'm going to go, you know, fly fishing. Yeah. If I want to like, if I want to catch some fish, I'm going to go bass fishing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I really like that. I mean, it was so fun fly fishing with you. I don't think we've actually been spotty fishing yet we together, haven't. but we will this year for sure. And I'm saying it like the season hasn't started yet and yet you're fishing all the time. So yeah. I just need to get out there. <laughs> I am. I'm going tomorrow. Perfect. And then um, I think I'm going next week. Yeah. We got Fred Hall, not Fred. What is it? Bart Hall now. Oh, yeah. We got the Bart Hall show this week. So I get to fish on Tuesday and then I work in Bart Hall. And then we'll, uh, we'll continue on with awesome. fishing. Awesome. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff in mammoth, both fresh or both for trout and for bass that you're involved in. And yeah. so I'll talk to Nick at some point about all those fun things that are happening up in Bishop, but there's just so much adventure to have. And I think having that option of being near or far is like you're living the best life. You know, you're not, you're not having it be all consuming that you're closing the door for something that's like the mystique and awe of mammoth, you know, and doing that well. And then coming down here and like fishing down here really well. So, well, the thing I kind of, the way I look at it, it's like with fishing is I don't want to miss an opportunity to have fun. Yeah. I don't want to miss an opportunity to have a great camp out with a friend, you know, and meet new friends. Yeah. And like I said before was the, the community in the fly fishing was great Yeah, and it is great, but just the community of fishermen in general, Mm -hmm. like even if you're a, a bass guy or a trout guy, you know, you, the community is there Yeah, and it's great Yeah, just to like be able to, you know, to exchange fishing stories. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we tried to go up and fish and then the snow just totally ruined our plans a it couple of weeks ago, but uh, we'll get out there soon. <laughs> yep. And I'll be up there in May, May 20th for the Eastern Sierra Bass Fishing Tournament, which is a lot of fun. Um, That's put on by Max Sporting Goods in the county venue or the Mono Mono County. Uh Um, That's a lot of fun. Um, But that's like my next trip up there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hopefully it will be really nice and we'll still have a little bit of snow, but the weather will be warmer and the yeah. bass should be biting. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I don't like that cold weather fishing. Right. <laughs> I, I did think... it in January or December with Luke. We we did the Upper Owens for Crowley Steel, and it was cold. Yeah. It was cold. Well, Looks like now, it's a warm day. Now and I was like, even to go up there, it's like you have you. It's like I can't imagine how high the bank of snow is to get down to the river. I mean. It has to be five, a five foot bank yeah. of snow. Well, in in December, I was like mid thigh. Yeah, and I'm like five ten, five eleven. Yeah. So 
you know, 30 inches. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Yeah. And then we got to where the riverbank is and it was still there, but like it wasn't icy like previous years. It was snow packed. Yeah. It was cool, but it, it was still like up to your knee. Yeah. Yeah. This is rad. We need it. <laughs> we do. We do. We need it. Well, awesome, Ty. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about all types of fishing. No problem. I enjoyed man. it. Thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. And I'm really proud of the community you built. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Thank you.